speech that the way to heaven was through Jesus Christ as the Lord and the Savior. And then it so happened that there came teachers into that Antioch congregation and upset the members of that Christian church very much. They told them that there was a different way of salvation, that if they wanted to be saved, these Gentiles, these non-Jews, they would have to be circumcised, and they would have to obey all the Mosaic rituals and rules and regulations. In other words, they were saying there was another way of salvation. There was a different way of salvation. Uh, this thing was so important to the Christians of that day that they decided that they would have a convention in the Mother Church at Jerusalem. And so Paul and Barnabas, with some delegates from the congregation at Antioch, they came to Jerusalem, and there was Peter and some of the other apostles and the elders, and there was James, the brother of the Lord. And the great question then at that first convention of the Christian church was a momentous one. It was this, which is the way to heaven? Which is the road to heaven? And as that convention met there in Jerusalem, and when the evidence had been presented, then it was the Apostle Peter who got up, and on the basis of the evidence, he gave this verdict. He said this. He said, We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. The decision at the first convention in the year 50, about 20 years after the establishment of the Christian church, as regards the way to heaven was this. Peter said, in other words, there is one and only one road that leads to heaven, and that road is Jesus Christ. There are not two roads. There are not three roads. There is one road, one way, only one way, no other. It is Jesus Christ. And today, as Peter would speak to you and me through the word of God, uh, from this first convention held in Jerusalem to decide a momentous question, the greatest question in all the world, uh, which is the way into the kingdom of God, which is the road, Peter would call upon you and me today and say, hold fast to this one thing, never let it go, stake your lives on it. There is one road and only one road that leads to heaven. There is only one way, there are not two or three ways, and that one way is Jesus Christ. You and I have heard that a long time, haven't we? And yet, isn't it strange that sometimes we find this rather hard to believe? Uh, we say to ourselves, is there any proof that there is only one road to heaven, just one way? Isn't it true that sometimes when we're with our friends, we like to be what we call broad-minded Christians? We like to say, well, there is one way. We know that that's Christ. But sometimes we like to say, but there are other roads. It's like this, you take the high road and I'll take the low road and we'll get into Scotland or we'll get into the kingdom of God. We like to say this is a broad-minded view that we like to have, that we're all working to go to the same place. We all want to go to heaven when we die and therefore there surely is more than one road and we sort of feel that there is great comfort if we can make ourselves believe that. And yet we say, where is there any comfort if there's only one road to heaven, if there is only one way? If that is the only road, is there any comfort and assurance when we think of the heathen and when we think of those of other religions? How about them and eternal life? And yet the Apostle Peter would say to you and me this morning, 
he would say, bear this in mind, write it on your souls and never forget it. There is only one way, there's only one road that leads to heaven, Jesus Christ. There are no other roads, and he would ask us to stop for a moment to remind us of all the tremendous proofs that we have that there is only one way. And yet to remind us also what comfort and what assurance we have when we believe that there is only one way. And let's take time this morning as God gives us strength that we may look and say, what proof do we really have in this tremendous question, which is the way to heaven? What proof did we have that there is only one and only one way, Jesus Christ? And Peter would remind you and me in the first place of the decision that was made in that council at Jerusalem in the year 50. You may say, well, how do you decide a question like that? How do you decide which is the way to heaven? Did they just come to Jerusalem? And when James, the brother of the Lord, when he uh, simply stood up and he presided over that congregational meeting, did they just take a vote of hands and decide it? When we read about the story in the book of Acts, we find that the apostle Peter gave this evidence. He said, we, again, he reminded them of what happened when he was called to the home of Cornelius. You remember that story? Cornelius lived in Caesarea, and he was a Gentile. And the apostle Peter went there, and Cornelius wanted to be saved. And Peter preached that day in his home uh, that it is through Jesus Christ and him alone that we have salvation and eternal life. And Peter gave testimony. He said, when I was preaching that, the Holy Spirit manifested himself. And he did as he did to us, Peter said, and that was on the day of Pentecost. When Peter was preaching at Caesarea, and he preached Christ as the only way, the Holy Spirit manifested himself that day in the home of Cornelius by having those people speak in languages that they had never learned. They spoke foreign languages. This was not the ecstatic utterance that we're hearing so much about, about speaking with the power of the Holy Spirit in languages that are unintelligible. And so Peter said this, in view of the fact that at the home of Cornelius, that the Holy Spirit manifested himself, and we spoke in foreign languages, even as we did on the day of Pentecost, he said, surely this is verification that the one way into the kingdom of God, the one road, is Jesus Christ and him alone. And then Paul and Barnabas, they testified too how God had blessed their efforts when they had been preaching that Jesus Christ was the only way. And so here is the first evidence. In the council at Jerusalem in the year 50, it was decided once and for all on the basis of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but that gives me comfort. When the Holy Spirit assured us that day in the home of Cornelius, that again, when Peter had preached Jesus Christ, then you and I can say there is only one road. We may want to be broad-minded Christians. We may want to say, well, here is a lot of comfort, but I get this comfort that this thing was settled once and for all in the Christian church in the year 50. Peter would also remind you and me that, again, here is this evidence, this proof, that look at the first announcement that God ever made as regards man's salvation back in the Garden of Eden. You and I remember when Adam and Eve sinned, and then when God appeared before them. It was Eve, you know, who ate of the forbidden fruit, but the world didn't fall into sin until Adam had eaten, because he was the head of the race. And then God spoke, you remember, to Adam and Eve and to Satan in the guise of a serpent. And we have that first announcement in Genesis 3.15, where God said, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. 
God announced that here was going to be salvation through the seed of the woman. And the Apostle Paul in the New Testament tells us that that seed of the woman was Jesus Christ. Therefore, the very first announcement that God gave man a second chance back in the Garden of Eden announced that there was this salvation in the seed of the woman who was Jesus Christ. And what great comfort you and I can have, and that's this. When we begin to wonder how many ways are there to heaven, and when Peter would remind you and me that there's only one way, bear in mind that way is as old as the human race. It was the way that God announced already back in Eden. It was the way that God and the Son and the Holy Spirit had devised back in eternity. It is as old as the human race itself. We talk about evidence. Is there only one way to heaven? We like to be broad-minded Christians, don't we? And we like to feel that because everybody is working to go to the same place, that there are a lot of roads, not only Christ, but other ways and other highways that lead to heaven. But the Apostle Peter would remind you and me that God shaped the Old Testament in its history in order to send Jesus Christ the Messiah. Isn't it a thrilling thing when you and I read the Old Testament and we say to ourselves, why did God shape human events in the Old Testament like he did when Cain killed Abel and Christ was to come from Abel's line? Why did God raise up another son who was Seth? When the world became wicked and God destroyed the world by a flood in the days of Noah, why did God save Noah and his family? And why a thousand years after Noah did God raise up Abraham and told him, Abraham, if you'll go to a land where you've never been before and that was the land of Palestine, I will make you a great nation, and in you and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. We say, why did God ever raise up the Jewish nation? And when we see the hand of God, God shaped human destiny for one reason, that from the seed of Abraham, who was Jesus Christ, there would come into this world Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. And this brings great comfort. You know, God must have had great confidence in Jesus Christ when God shaped the very destiny and the very events of human history to send Jesus Christ into the world. Peter would also remind you and me that God foretold uh, that there would come into this world Christ who would be the way. Look at the prophecies of the Old Testament when Isaiah said, Arise, shine again. The Lord is is risen upon thee. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. When we read the thrilling foretellings and the messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, then we say to ourselves, why, God was delighted to send Jesus Christ into the world. In the Old Testament, it is all Jesus Christ. And Peter would remind you and me, Uh, that God set up the worship service in the Old Testament. Their Old Testament ritual, which as you know included the sacrifice of lambs, and all those lambs that were sacrificed pointed to God's lamb who was the Savior. Those in the Old Testament were not saved by the blood of bulls and goats, you and I know that, but every time they sacrificed a lamb, they looked forward to the time when God's lamb, Jesus Christ, would come, and they put their faith in him. And because they put their faith in him, they were saved in the Old Testament in the very same way in which we are saved in the New. There never was another road to heaven. When we read our Bibles, when we start back from the book of Genesis, when we look into the entire Old Testament worship, the Old Testament person was saved 
through faith in the Lamb of God that was going to come, even as you and I are saved, through faith in the Lamb of God who came. Sometimes we want to be broad-minded, don't we? It was a very urgent question that bothered that first Christian church. And those Christians up in Antioch in Syria who were Gentiles, they had one question which was uppermost in their minds. How do I go to heaven? How am I saved? And thank God that when this first convention was held in Jerusalem, the answer was given that it's faith in Jesus Christ, Christ and him alone. There are not two roads or three roads to heaven. There is only one road. There has never been another road. And think of the evidence we have that God had to send no less than his son to provide salvation for us. I like to think of it this way. If there had been a number of roads to heaven, if you and I could say, here's one road, Christ, but here are a number of other roads, then why did God send his son? Why didn't he just send an angel? Why did it have to be the son of God? And when you and I answer that question, we say it had to be the son of God because there was no one else who was big enough to be the savior of the world. And when we look at him and we see his deity, and we know that he was born of the Virgin Mary without sin, we say to ourselves, why, there is only one road that leads to heaven. There are not two roads or three roads, just one road. And how thankful and what comfort we get is this. And I get this comfort out of him. But I know that because the one who came as our Savior was no less than God, he was of more value than the human race, and he was big enough to be your Savior and mine. Peter would remind you and me that there is only one way to heaven and would remind us that it was Jesus Christ. And here's the evidence, because God's Son had to die in order to open up the way to heaven. You see, in all other ways that men may devise, whether it be by circumcision or keeping the Old Testament Mosaic laws, whether it be by goodness, you see, there's no Christ and there's no Calvary. But there is a Christ and a Calvary in Jesus Christ because he was God's Son. He had to die. He had to bear hell and damnation for you and me, that in him we might have eternal life. And this is a great comfort I get out of one way, that I know that as God's Son, he has eternal life and everlasting salvation, not only for you, but also for me and for all men. And then this Christ, he topped it all in victory by raising himself from the dead. He conquered, and he is the living Christ. And we have this assurance then, that because he is the living Christ, that this sacrifice that he made on Calvary, it was a timeless and eternal sacrifice. Today we're hearing strange voices in the Christian church. We're hearing some who smack of universalism. There are those who are saying in the church, yes, there is one way to heaven, which is Christ, but there are other ways to heaven. There are other ways as we find them in the other religions of the world, feeling that a lot of roads lead to heaven. But in the word of God, friend, there is no substantiation for that whatsoever. What bothers you and me then is this, isn't it? We say, I want to be broad-minded. What about the heathen, the person who lives and dies and never has heard about Christ? What about the Mohammedan, the Hindu? What about the one who is the Shintoist? What about those who are Buddhists? What about them as regards their eternal life? Aren't they sincere? 
Aren't they trying to do what they think is necessary for salvation? I like this word of Peter when he said, We are saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus. I think you and I should say, God is gracious. And when it comes to judging the heathen, when it comes to judging all those of other religions, bear this in mind, I don't know how God will judge them. But I do know this, that he's a God of mercy, he is a God of grace, and whatever shall be his judgment shall bring glory to him. This is comfort and assurance. There is only one way to heaven. Why did Jesus then say, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? Ye shall be my witnesses. Why were we to go out and to bring the message that there's only one way, and that way is Jesus Christ? It is something that was settled at the Christian Church Convention in Jerusalem. And when we hear so many things being preached today in the Christian Church, and when we have our doubts and our misgivings, let us bear in mind that in the year 50, in the great convention that was held in Jerusalem, this question was settled once and for all. There is one way, only one way, Jesus Christ. You know, he's the one who's going to come again. And he's going to judge us on the basis of one thing. Have you and I put our faith and our trust in him? You may say, what's it all mean to us today? I think that in the church, with so many doubts and misgivings going on, with the apathy and the indifference that we're finding, with so many leaving the Christian church and saying that it's defunct, we ought to write it on our souls and say, there's one big question, and that is, how do you go to heaven? And we ought to be determined to say, let the church be the church. You say, what do you mean, let the church be the church? As I see the Christian church, it has one tremendous challenge. And that is that anybody that comes within its confines ought to hear the message that there is a way to heaven, and that it's Jesus Christ, and that he is the Savior who has provided eternal life for all men. Just recently, I've had two young ministers talk to me. May I assure you, you never saw such discouragement. You never saw such despondency. One of them has said to me, I wish to God that my ministry was over like yours is going to be over. Another said, I've been sick at heart. I feel like I can't go on. I'm preaching the gospel, but somehow or other my people don't want the gospel. They want something that is more contemporary. Uh, they want something, how do you deal with your fellow man? And one of them said to me, what have you done throughout the years? And I answered them in this way. I said, what I have done throughout the years, I have tried with the grace of God to stick to the very fundamentals, to preach Jesus Christ. Uh, that somewhere every Sunday in a sermon, there would be the Christ of Calvary, lest some forlorn, hopeless soul might be listening, that he might have hope. This has been my ministry. And I would, I would say to you as a Christian congregation, oh, please, wherever you may belong, stop criticizing ministers. It's breaking their hearts. I think the time has come when we ought to begin to pray to the throne of grace for ministers who are going to say, the church has got to be the church. It's got to still preach Jesus Christ. There's only one way to heaven. 
and men must know it in order to be saved. And then we ought to stop this morning and to say to ourselves, if we're going to believe that, you and I have Jesus Christ. I have so many people say to me at times, well, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I, I don't experience any peace within my heart. And may I say, friend, if there's no peace in your heart and mine, it's because we haven't really put our trust in him. To believe in Jesus Christ means that we repent of our sins. And let me tell you, that means to be honest. It means to lay at his feet everything in your life and mine that we are doing that we know is wrong. There is real commitment until we have faced in our lives and have said, this doesn't go with the Christian life. This is not what I want to be doing if Christ would come again until we lay at his feet everything that you and I know that is wrong. And we tell him we're sorry. And we say we're sorry enough to quit. There will never be a sense of peace. And then to turn to him and ask him for forgiveness. Then there comes this peace that his blood on Calvary was shed and it washes your soul and mine whiter than snow. Who knows when death may come to you and me. As you know, just a week ago, last Thursday, I was walking into community hospital, and Tommy, our church secretary, called and talked about the death of my brother-in-law. Now, that changes events, doesn't it? I came back, and I called my sister, and she said, hurry, I need you. Well, we left for Belleville. John, my brother-in-law, a child of God. He was all dressed that morning, waiting for my nephew to take him to the doctor. He became weary, and he couldn't breathe, and the breath became less and less, and he fell asleep in Jesus just so peacefully and yet so quickly. Yet there was one desire that he had. He had been calling and writing. That was this, since I am retiring, as you know, as Eve, he's been living for that to be here for the candlelight service. But uh, God in his wisdom told John, John, you're weary. Uh, you won't be on this earth on Christmas Eve to gather in God's house and sing to the glory of the birth of Jesus. But uh, God gave him something better. God took him to heaven for Christmas. We need assurance, don't we? May this be our assurance. There's only one road to heaven. And when we have repented of our sins and we put our faith in him, we can walk the glory road regardless of tears, death, heartache. We just got word last night that my wife's sister-in-law, Idol, just died, so she's leaving today. God strikes rather frequently, doesn't he, in our homes. But it really doesn't make much difference as long as we have Christ. We can walk the glory road and we can still sing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of the Spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Amen.
the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.